It's day 18 of The Eagle is Stranded. Today, we're finally turning to the drink. The phone is ringing. In actuality, the phone rang a few hours ago now. And it was answered by Ruth. Hello. A.K.A. The Beer Fairy. Hey, Hello, how you doing? it's David. How are you doing, my friend? You alright? Very well, mate, you? And we'll bring you that conversation with Ruth, a.k.a. the Beer Fairy, in less than one minute. But first, a very brief backstory. Three days ago, we were contacted on Twitter by someone called Sean, who had listened to a couple of beer-related podcasts, and I believe one of his favourite breweries, Team Utopian, had been mentioned on both of those podcasts. And he said, this is clearly a sign that I need to put an order in with Team Utopian and the Beer Fairy, a.k.a. Ruth, who works for Team Utopian. I'll know that I'll definitely have to put an order in if there's a reference to the Beer Beer Fairy and Team Utopian on The Eagle is Stranded. And I looked at the Beer Fairy's Twitter profile. I was intrigued. I was intrigued to find out that she was a registered, certified Chincharitzo gin hound. And instantly I thought, we've got to talk to Ruth. We've got to find out what a registered Chincharitzo certified gin hound is. Now, apparently the two things are completely separate. Chincharitzo, or Cicerone, as it actually is. But my screen reader, I'm blind, and my screen reader is pronouncing it Chincharitzo. And apparently the Cicerone registered and certified gin hound are two separate entities. But my screen reader was just reading it as one thing. But we're going to talk about all of that. But I suggested that Ruth the Beer Fairy might want to come on the podcast and talk about what these things entail and talk about what it is to be a beer fairy. And of course, I was aware that there might be free beer in the offing. Well, I'm pleased to say not only has Ruth readily agreed to send free beer, but she was also very happy to talk to us on the phone. And so today's episode of The Eagle is Stranded is my conversation with Ruth, a.k.a. The Beer Fairy. Okay. What is your corona lockdown situation then? Because I've sort of aware that I've started doing this podcast series in the lockdown situation because all the festivals, all the gigs have been cancelled, yep. etc. And it's want of something else to do rather than just spending all the time with my fiance who's also in lockdown. No, that with would me. Be awful. I've got to invent a scenario to get away. Uh, and the podcast is the, is is that. I'm mindful of the fact that obviously this is a serious virus and I'm kind of doing glib sort of trite commentaries on general life and it's, talking about nonsense so what's yeah, your we're situation all around in the sunshine having a nice time yeah we're doing okay actually so so my partner and i both work for breweries so we haven't been at work for a while obviously since they shut down all the pubs and selling beer is quite tough but actually we're doing okay so it's me and him and a small sometimes annoying dog um <laughs> We haven't killed each other yet, which is quite nice. But I'm sure that will happen at some point. It's probably more likely that he will kill me, I think. We were talking about the husband or the dog here. Uh, the, the man rather than the dog. Right. The dog would be devastated. The dog's having a whale of a time. Yeah. On all the beer. Do you do doggy beer? Because there is such a thing, isn't there? Or do you think that's a bit there pointless is, and sacrilege, is, really? No, there, there is such a thing. We don't do one. I think people can spend their money how they choose to spend their money. I would spend it on human beer. Yeah, because you wonder what the point of it is. Presumably, does it have a alcohol content? I would imagine not. No, there's no alcohol. And also, um, hops, which are like one of the main flavours in beer, are poisonous to dogs. It's not really beer it's just kind of watery stuff but if it makes people happy then that's fine have you had to find inventive ways then to kind of market yourselves or are you selling a lot online so we're doing a bit of stuff online which is really good we also so the brewery that i work for we also do some brewing for other people so actually the, the brewery itself is still quite busy the others are still going to work and everything is still quite normal they're down in devon and i'm sitting here in wokingham doing absolutely nothing <laughs> and occasionally tweeting and occasionally hosting like online pub sessions and that's about it 
Wow, the online pub sessions sound interesting. They're good fun. What's the communal pub atmosphere like? Has it been enjoyable? Is this something that you might even do beyond Corona? It's been really lovely, actually. And I think the thing for me that I've really enjoyed is being able to chat to friends from vastly different parts of the country and also who like you know in lots of different ways. And having them all come together in one place has been really nice. And probably actually talk to those people a lot more than you would do normally. They've been really nice so far. My friend who is totally blind, but also quite severely deaf as well so finds it really difficult going into a sort of a pub situation in a loud yeah. pub and talking to people and so therefore doesn't really enjoy that as such because he finds it really stressful however he has actually spoken online to a few of his friends who have been doing that kind of pub thing and he said this is a real great thing for him because he's finally been able to join in with the discussion, you know. They're probably on more of a level pegging field as, or yeah. playing field as well. I think the only problem with them, as with anything online, is it's always quite difficult to, A, if you've got some shit internet like some of our friends do, then it's a bit interesting. Um, and also there's the kind of the, the classic thing that you're not really sure when the next person's going to speak. Hmm. So it's either like silence or everyone talking at the same time. But once you get into the rhythm of it, it's been really nice. And um, I suppose you can't do those breakaway things you know, in a pub, a conversation might naturally break off into a few sections, but it can't obviously do that no. on, on something. Everyone has got to talk to everyone. If this goes on longer than anticipated, which hopefully, obviously, it won't, then maybe I wonder if this will change the way that we communicate on a, on a level generally, because people aren't used to having those breakaway conversations. So everyone will have learnt to listen to each other more, and the hive mind perhaps will have established itself yeah. rather than these splinter and groups. I think it's it's also lovely that you kind of you get to hopefully can make some new friends because all mm. the, all the pub sessions that we do if I know two people but they don't know each other they're then getting a chance to chat and hopefully kind of make new friends we're trying to find the positive in a in a shit situation yeah and I definitely think there are positives and it's undoubtedly a terrible situation and I like yourself presumably as well we're very lucky to have not got anything symptomatic of the, the actual yeah. virus I could go for a day or so without listening to the news and therefore even in some ways forgetting that this kind of thing is because I'm happy in my own bubble as it were you know yep. talking absolute nonsense and, and, and I'm lucky as well to be with three other people so therefore it doesn't even feel like I'm particularly isolated and I understand it's obviously not the case for everyone else but it would be interesting I mean it must be in some ways a sociologist's absolute dream because you know, we're all being experimented on to see what we do yeah there's never this yeah. is an unprecedented experiment because we have the technology to communicate and because you know the, the whole landscape is the whole social landscape has changed And but that's not what we're here to talk about we're not here to talk about big sociological studies and that kind of thing we're here to talk about alcohol to talk about beer I suppose and, 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 and the other facets uh, gin and all the other things that you are clearly an expert in Ruth firstly I'm wondering why or how you got into this because presumably this wasn't something you wanted to do when you were a child or went to your careers advisor and said a, a beer sommelier for me um, I mean, in fairness, if when I was at school they said actually if you were decent at science then you can make beer for a living, yeah. I probably would have taken that part of my education a bit more seriously, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. The beer thing um, happened a little bit by accident. Um, so I grew up in Suffolk, uh, very close to a lovely brewery called Adnams, yeah. and ended up working for them. Well, I started working with them, I think, when I was about 22. I've been in the beer sort of industry for about 12 years now. And so it was partly a desire to kind of work for them because they're a lovely company. Partly I kind of grew up drinking cask beer anyway, both through my older siblings essentially taking me to the pub. But the only way I was allowed to go to the pub was if I drank what they drank 
and they refused to buy me underage Bacardi breezes, but underage pints of ale were fine. Um, <laughs> but also, I kind of grew up in quite a folky, Morris dancing kind of environment, and therefore, pints of beer and cask ale is what you do. So, I kind of got into beer that way, and then I've worked for several different breweries and done a range of qualifications, kind of as I've gone along to try and find out more about beer. But also, I like learning and finding out new things. I mean, how much of the job is getting drunk? Because now you're drinking, obviously, as part of the job. <laughs> but when does it become an occupational hazard to get drunk now, presumably? You know, you can't just get drunk on the job, as it were. You know, you've got to taste, as it were, professionally, I suppose, about this. Yeah, so. I mean, it is quite interesting. So actually, so for me, the beer sommelier and certified Cicerone are qualifications. So my right. beer job is selling stuff. So, so I, I, just, I, I just, I must, I do apologize for interrupting here, but... I've realised I've said that completely wrong. The screen reader again. I'm going to blame this on. It said Cicerone, but it's Cicerone. Cicerone is, is that's fine. You can Cicerone is far more exciting. Right, so, so Cicerone. Right, okay. So it, all it is is in beer land. There's two kinds of qualifications. In the UK, we have a certifying body which awards something called a beer sommelier. So that's one qualification. And then in the US, then they have the Cicerone accreditation program, and then there's different levels of that. So the two qualifications I've got pretty similar um, but they're just two different awarding bodies what's exam conditions like for that then how does that work does it seem like a very sort of strict environment where it's like oh you're not allowed to you know get you you can't use calculators you can't use your your phone (laughs) what what kind of a situation are we talking about Um, so the sommelier one they're quite different Um, for the sommelier it's essentially kind of an interview so you have to prepare a big document beforehand showing all the work you've done doing beer and food matching and beer education and to prove that you've been out there and you've kind of talked to people about beer and it's been successful but the main part of that is sitting opposite someone and they present you with kind of ranges of beer and you have to taste it and then say what the style is what the alcohol content is where it comes from what kind of food you'd put with it that kind of thing so they might give you five glasses that all look like lager and you have to then go through and say which beer each one is and I might be showing my ignorance say, well, I will be, uh, for definitely. But um, <laughs> it's interesting because you think of wines as pairing with foods. And I'm not sure whether I would think of that with beers, really. It goes really brilliantly with a lot of foods. I think I tend to look at kind of food and drinks pairing. So there are some dishes where actually a wine would be a brilliant match, but equally there are some things where a beer would be perfect. And there are flavours that you get in beer that you just you don't get in wine. So in beer, you can get bitterness, which you don't typically get in, in wines. You get more of like you can get a dryness from tannin but normally not bitter in beer you can get flavors of like chocolate and caramel and biscuits and all of those kind of flavors which are very mm. different from from wine world and then we also have um, sour beers as well which are almost in flavor profile more similar to a cider so you've got that real kind of tartness so that's there's a much broader range of flavors in beer than i think most people realize and therefore yeah, yeah. it goes goes wonderfully with lots of foods and you can cook with it and bake with it and do all kinds of different stuff is there in the in the wine world it's a case of swelling it maybe and then spitting it out or in the beer world you just get it down the hatch <laughs> um, the tasting process is very similar so you should same as with wines you look at it to kind of assess the, the color and the clarity and the condition of the beer and swizz it around in your glass so you're kind of releasing all of the aromas and have a have a smell and then tasting is really similar as well so you make sure you sort of wash the beer all around your mouth in beer land we do swallow <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> you don't you don't have to all the time. When I was learning about beer, there was always kind of the, the reason was given that because beer is bitter. We were always taught that our bitterness kind of receptors on our tongue are right at the very back. Um, right. And therefore, it was important to swallow. So you got the sort of the full roundness of the beer. Mm. It has Whether recently been any... shown um, that that's actually, yeah, that's complete rubbish. Um, right. Just somebody it, wants to drink. But it's nice. So it's fine. <laughs> Someone just got the, 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 the taste receptors are at the back of the tongue, you see. That's the reason. <laughs> So it's, it's a very, it's a good excuse, but it's yeah, not true. Yeah, why not? I mean, is there a kind of language, I suppose, that inherently comes with this? So there, there are certain words that would come up that maybe we wouldn't come across in our um, beer lexicon. Yeah, there are. And there, I think there's a lot of people in the beer industry kind of trying to, to stay away from those words and that language to really try and make beer a bit more accessible to more people. Mm. So typically you would have a lot of mentioning of words like bitter as a descriptor or hoppy. So that's talking about the characteristics that come from the hops um, yeah. or malty and characteristics obviously come from the malt. See what they're doing but, here. They're just putting no Y really at the end of things. what things are. Yeah, so take, yeah, take, yeah. The thing, take the thing and make it E. Put um, a Y, yeah, yeah. But, right. but I think more and more what we're trying to do is if you didn't, know anything about the brewing process or even if you did but you haven't happened to sort of see a hop up close and you hadn't really understood what flavors malt bring then those words don't really mean very much so actually we've tried to use language which is a lot more kind of everyday so rather than saying hoppy try to be more specific so flavors that come from hops are things like citrus so we might describe sort of like grapefruit zest um, mm. or lemony or um, you get some hops that's got really lovely kind of elderflower and gooseberry characteristics if they're from um, kind of southern hemisphere so using language that people can really relate to and understand rather than I do just love kind of like random, random yeah. words. I love the descriptions of beer. And sometimes it can seem over the top, but I absolutely love them. Just the way that they're described, whether you can <laughs> or can't taste these things or not. I mean, there must be times when you read the bottle description, you go... What the heck are you going on about here? Oh, and some of it, I mean, the same as with wine, a lot, a lot of kind of descriptions you get on the back of a bottle are, I mean, they're, they're written by a marketing team who want to sell that particular beer. But when we're the kind estate of, agents of the beer world. A, a, li- a little bit, but I mean, they tend to be broadly true. When we're doing kind of tutored tastings or if you're going out and talking to consumers about things, then everyone's palate is different. So I think it's really important to not say someone might taste peach in a beer and just because I don't get that doesn't mean it's not there for that person. The more you taste things, the more you think about things your palate starts to pick up different nuances I, the, the subject of the gin hound <laughs> so is this a terminology or is this a, a is a gin hound a thing or no no 100 no, percent no right. gin, gin hound is just amy being a gin fan um i did sell gin for a little a little kind of independent producer for a year but no that that is more me being flippant yeah. than anything else <laughs> i just wondered if it was like uh you know you were part of some sort of clan or something there no, but i'd, I'd quite like to be i'd like to be part of the gin hound clan <laughs> <laughs> if, if there is one, then I would uh, 100% like to join. Excellent. Definitely. If anyone listening who wants to also be a gin hound, then maybe there could be a special club. Yeah, and a cape. Joined up. Cape there. and a hat and a badge, all of that stuff. How much of your job, I suppose, is then drinking? And how much of it is reviewing, writing, marketing, all of the other bits and pieces? Is it one of those things where you're actually you're only drinking for like 1% of the time? Or So my, my job is selling things. So actually the, the drinking part of it is either kind of being social with customers. It's important for me to know what's going on in the wider market outside the brewery that I work for. So my job is not particularly boozy um, or it's as boozy as, mm. as, I, as I want to make it, I suppose. It's important that I'm familiar with the beers that I sell so then I can talk to customers about them. But there are people 
people out there who who solely write about beer and do education around beer and like they make that their whole living which that would be like the grand the grand plan one day but not quite yet right well going into schools uh, pro- <laughs> probably not schools although the science side of brewing is really interesting um and, mm, and mm. is sort of relevant for a lot of things and um but pro- probably not like primary school beer appreciation quite yet and i suppose we were talking about obviously like every trade is most trades are going to suffer obviously with the coronavirus but none more i suppose <laughs> than corona themselves the, the larger companies. well they've uh, they've stopped production as far as i'm aware that's uh, that's certainly right. the rumor that's going around but it was amazing when there was some sort of stats done probably about six weeks ago now about the number of Americans that were refusing to drink Corona because they thought it was somehow related to the virus, yeah. which is concerning on, well, concerning on many levels. But I suppose it's the same people who were avoiding Chinese food for the same yes. kind of reason, really. And, the you know, the Chinese supermarkets are stocked and... And the Chinese section of supermarkets as well are, are still stocked. And it's, it's a silly one, isn't it, really? Because there's no, there's no reason. You know, the whole thing with Hugo Boss suing various small manufacturers because they got the word boss in their yeah. business or whatever. Surely Corona must be thinking, they could have picked a, <laughs> another name <laughs> they here, couldn't they? You know well, I, mean? I, I wonder if they had something to do with the uh, the fact that everyone stopped calling it Corona and started calling it COVID-19. But I don't know. I feel whoever is in their PR department right now... I, well, I feel, I feel sorry for the COVID-19 brewing company yeah they're having uh, a tough time as well yeah exactly (laughs) well thank you very much for talking to us and thanks also ruth for the fact that you were essentially thrown into the deep end with this (laughs) with with someone who listened to the podcast i don't know if you know sean Um, yeah so sean and i met through morris dancing so he um right he's from suffolk he's a folky friend that's also now a beery friend so basically obviously he gets in touch and says that he's heard mention of (laughs) team utopian who i believe you sell for yep and he said well if i get mentioned on this uh, on david's podcast that'll be uh extra weird which would be because we're not a beer podcast <laughs> and we you know we thought well we're always desperate for content so of course we were going to chase that up weren't we uh, but i must apologize you were you were, we don't normally talk about bestiality on the podcast but it's it just absolutely uh... <laughs> fine it has been a very bizarre but very lovely experience don't worry oh wonderful well we look forward to getting the beer and we look forward to speaking to you another time once the beer has started to be consumed and we can give some kind of reviewing i mean who great. knows this could be my this could be my future it could you be might, i might be headhunted here could be a super taster you never know thank you very much to ruth the beer fairy she is sending beer our way so we'll probably do a beer tasting episode of the eagle is stranded perhaps next week but as for tomorrow we'll be back but with what with whom maybe the fabulous ellie will be there sarah join me tomorrow to find out goodbye